Welcome to Eavesdropping at the Movies. I'm Jose. I'm Mike. So what did you think of The Hitman's Bodyguard? I liked it. It made me laugh quite a lot. But I spent a lot of time thinking about uh, the nice guys, Shane Black. I kept thinking, oh, this is not as good as the nice guys. But it was a lot more fun. I disagree. I li- well, I won't argue with you because I like the nice guys. And there's no question that The Nice Guys is a much better film than this. But I think this is, this is a really entertaining B-movie. It's the kind of movie that Luc Besson has done or has been involved with because a lot of these he hasn't directed. It's almost like, you know, they're too cheap for him to direct. Mm. But he's done a whole series or he's been involved with a whole series of films like the Transporter films and the French Taxi films. And uh, I think also around the edges of the District 13 films, that actually this is very, um, this is a very good example of. So, you know, these films basically are a whole series of jokes strung together around action sequences in a buddy-buddy film, uh, often in a world that's kind of chaotic and unjust and kind of that's left to random chance and hazard, except, you know, that the heroes will always win at the end. So kind of, you know, the only thing that these these films, and the really B films, have to offer in a way are the chase scenes, the action scenes, and the chemistry between the protagonists, you know. And I would say in this, the chase scenes bored me. The ah. action scenes weren't that great, for the most part. Some, one of them was okay. Um... And the chemistry between leads, there was chemistry between leads, and I've got to hand it to him, but I, I kept thinking, and I'll, I'll, I'll probably keep coming back to this, this thing about Shane Black, where Shane Black is the absolute king of this kind of film. He does it so well, and because in The Nice Guys, for instance, um, Russell Crowe and Ryan Gosling play characters, and in this, um, Ryan Reynolds and... Samuel L. Jackson play themselves. Yes, but that's a and given. It's not, it's not that it's not that I don't like to see them as themselves, and I think they play the, they, they they play it really well. Samuel L. Jackson in particular is kind of, um, I think it's like the version of Samuel L. Jackson that snakes on the plane wanted, you know, that's constantly saying motherfucker, mm. but actually, actually has some self awareness and, and 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 comedy in it, which is what snakes on the plane did. This is brilliantly funny. I mean, I think there's no question. You know, I, I, I laughed aloud about 20 times or more, really. Um, and and, I, and I, I don't think that... I, I don't think you can compare it to, in a way, you know... Uh, so, so if last week we began with, what, you know, what does it all mean? Or, you know, here there's no question that, like, the films, in a way, are meaningless. Like, you know, they're not about conveying some theme or, you know, kind of illustrating some aspects of the human condition or anything. They're really just about the action and the jokes, right? So they really, they really are B movies, and I, you know, kind of it looks very well produced. But I would be surprised if it were to, if it were ever. Yeah, but I'm not saying that I'm not saying that I wanted it to be more than that. I, I mean, when I talk when I talk about Shane Black and that I, that I think he would have, that I think that he does the kind of best version of these. He's still doing the best version of B movies. 
but he does them with a level of intelligence and creativity. Like, when you get towards the action towards the end of this film, the climactic action where there's various fights happening mm. and, you know, you eventually want the bad guys to win. Um, I kind of... I, th- I was thinking, this is all so very conventional. It wasn't even... It wasn't good. The, the whole film... If it weren't for the jokes, I don't think the film would have very much to offer. It was, when it got to the, to the action, I thought, Shane Black, there would be creativity in this. I wouldn't know what's going to happen. Uh... I don't know. I I thought some of the action scenes were very well done and they were creative. And they were certainly an attempt to make them creative, right? It was like, how far could you take a situation and take it from blow to blow to blow where, you know, the person doesn't die, you think they're going to die, you think, yeah, and it doesn't work. So actually, I was entertained by all of that throughout. So, you know, are you thinking, is it... You know, is it like a work of beauty, transcendental beauty, you know, the action scenes? No, they're not. But they're very entertaining. I found them very good. I was not bored, really. There was one action scene that I liked. Which, well, maybe two. There was one action scene which I, which I liked unequivocally, which was um, when Ryan Reynolds' character is complaining about Samuel L. Jackson. So he's sitting at a bar getting drunk. And in the background, the action scene's happening. Well, that was very funny. That was very funny. Yeah. Um, and it was well done. And the other one was the flashback uh, to where Samuel Jackson meets his wife, Salma Hayek, in a bar. Um, although I did have a small problem with it. The, the, so in that scene, um, Samuel Jackson is in a bar in the middle of somewhere, and uh, Salma Hayek is a wa- is in Honduras. Yeah, Salma Hayek's a waitress, and she's being sexually uh, harassed. Sexually harassed by some blokes in the bar. And before Samuel Jackson has a chance to get involved and, and help her out or whatever, um, she turns around and starts thumping him and unleashes a torrent of mm. incredibly vicious uh, attacks on them. Yeah. And it's set to uh, Hello by Lionel Richie. It's the scene where Samuel yeah, Jackson yeah, yeah, falls yeah. in love with that. And it's funny because the idea is that he falls in love with, with the level of violence that she's creating and this sort of thing. But there, there are two shots in it where... In, in one shot, she ends up bent over a pool table and the camera sits squarely on her ass. And in another, in another shot towards the end, um, the camera does this leery pan up from her cleavage onto yes. her face. And you go, those are the two shots which... It, it's almost like the director doesn't understand his own scene because cause Samuel Jackson isn't falling in love with the way she looks. Mm. He's falling in love with the fact that she's so ridiculously violent and self-possessed. Yes. It's like the director's gone, oh, we were so close. No, I don't agree with you. I mean, I think that was all part of the way that the scene was drawn, was drawn out. So, you know, there was, all that you say was there, was there. But I also think that you, you're seeing that, you know, from his point of view, she looks fantastic. And she looks fantastic in a kind of an unconventional way. She looks fantastic the way a Latin woman does. It's not like, you know, some kind of a, some, a stereotypical blonde, leggy person. So I think all of those, all of, all of those things work together to she combine. She does look fantastic, but those two shots are really out of place in that scene. Well, I, I don't agree. I think they're part of the picture. They're part they're, of the design. They're separate shots. You could, you could look at any woman like that. It has nothing to do with what she's doing. No, no, you can't. Because actually, I thought for a while that the lens was distorted. Like, you know, she's got a big butt, you know. And that's what he likes. And that's kind of part of what he's liking about her, including her ability to defend herself, you know, her ability to make jokes, her ability to drink beer as she does it. You know, it's kind of, it's part and parcel. Disagree with you on this particular point. Well, we can disagree. Those two shots are out of place. 
those two shots are leery and they communicate the wrong thing. Well, I don't two. think it's the wrong thing. I think it's... I think it's I'm not saying that it's, she's not it's part. It's part of what is being communicated and it's being done with wit. Uh, so, you know, I kind of... I liked all of that. And I liked... No, I, I, the comedy in that scene comes from... No, but you're you're fo- you're over focusing on the comedy. I mean, you know, no, was, that scene, its a funny scene. It's set up as a well, funny it's, scene. It's, it's the a, it's the I'm falling in love with the woman it's scene. It's a funny, but movie. it's not. I saw her across a bar. It, it's she was beating the fuck out of these guys. Yeah, but those things are not contradictory. And what I mean by saying that you're over focusing on the funny thing is because you know the film is an action film and it's a B action film. You know, I think there's no question about it, right? Like the the way that it's kind of shot and it's designed, it's just like. It is choose characterization. You know, the plot is a tiny little thing that you could hang all of these sequences on. So, you know, we can agree on that. But then the question is, you know, what does it have that works? You know, and I think, I think we need to talk about, or we have talked a little bit about, you know, the action sequences. But I think it's important to talk about them as action sequences and not just whether they're funny or not. And I do think you're over for the, the, the action sequences that you like are the ones that are funny. You know, but actually, they're the, the only ones that show any sense of creativity. To you, <laughs> the others were so <laughs> Well, to you, I mean, kind of, you know, I think if you look at them as action, as, as scenes that are meant to kind of convey excitement, you know, or even with, I think they work. I mean, you know, I don't want to make any great claims for them. They're not the greatest kind of action sequences in the world. They're not by any means, you know, the equivalent of the parkour sequences in District Thirteen or anything like that, which are, I think, works of beauty. You know, but they're exciting and they work. You know, uh, and I think the center of this film really is, and you're right, they're not giving, they're not giving characters to play. They're giving outlines to play. So you know, to talk about these these characters in psychological terms, like there's no point because they they don't have any psychology. Yeah. It's really just kind of like a plot point. But what they do have, what the actors have, is I think I think they're giving I think they're giving great lines. You know, the, the Home Alone thing was very funny. Uh, I wondered if that was uh, uh, improvised, actually. Uh, and also, I think I think uh, uh, for Ryan Reynolds, it's really interesting because he's developing the star persona that he really began to kind of put a stake in or in in Deadpool. So if you don't like him in Deadpool, you probably won't like him in this very much. No, they are, they are playing, like I say, they are playing themselves, essentially. What I mean by that is they're playing the kind of what you... Because they're stars, they come with a level of expectation yes. of, of the kind of people that they play, the kind of characters, and that's exactly what they've been asked to play. They haven't been asked to do anything different. Yes, but I think it's also worth admiring what these stars bring. Yeah, no, I'm not saying that's a bad thing necessarily. If you like what those stars are, then you like the film. If you don't, then you probably won't. Well, and if you don't, you're missing out, because I think actually... There, there's, there's, there's great technique and immense pleasure to be had out of watching Samuel Jackson. You know, you can learn a lot about acting by watching him because actually he makes things funny that are not there. Mm. You know, he changes the tone of voice. Uh, you know, he pronounces one word over another, and he makes something funny. Yeah. You know that that isn't there at all. So I, I think kind of, you know, one of the reasons why the film for me was such a pleasure to watch is because. You know, Ryan Reynolds is getting better at his shtick. I thought he was very good, you know. And then Samuel L. Jackson was just great at doing what he always does, what he's the master of doing, actually. You know, and then together they were great. You know, so actually it was their interaction, which which is the movie, 
was more than the sum of their parts. And yeah, but it took me a while to tune into it, I think, because I don't know what I expected. I, I didn't know anything about the film before. But I think you yeah. went because of the it had Birmingham and Coventry locations. That was, yeah, I, real, I, I, that was your reason for going. <laughs> I, saw, I saw on Twitter that, it, that, it, that, it, on Twitter that the, the film goes to Coventry and I thought, okay, well, I want to see this. I didn't know anything else about it. Um, and it took me a while to tune into um, to the main characters because... Ryan Reynolds is um, just a very slightly acquired taste for me. And I think, okay, oh, he's doing his thing. And it took me 20 minutes to go, I have to accept this. Mm -hmm. um, and the same with Samuel L. Jackson. As much as I like Samuel L. Jackson, I would really... Uh, he, he, he so rarely plays a different character. Yes. It's basically only in Tarantino films that he's given anything different to do, I think. I'm not even sure. I, I actually think that you know Tarantino's would have made him a star. Yes, and actually, but if you look, I don't... when you look at Stephen, the character of Stephen in um, Django Unchained, uh -huh. that's such a different. Such okay, a, true. And I think actually he should have won the Oscar for that. No, um, I think probably Christoph Waltz did, didn't he? Yeah. Well, he I'm not sure. Him. But anyway, um, um, but again, it's the kind of. It took me a while to go. Samuel Jackson's playing himself. <sighs> And then 20, 30 minutes into it, I'm like, okay, I'm finally in tune with this. I'm quite enjoying it. The audience reaction was very interesting because I would say, you know, that there was about half of the audience that was in tune with it, right? Because it is very crude filmmaking. There's yeah. no question about it, right? But then I think there were, you know, about half of the audience was like me, who was really like gleefully uh, uh, interacting with the film, yeah, who were getting all the jokes that it was making and laughing out loud. You know, and then there was a portion of the audience for whom this was just like a cheap film. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have any views about these Luc Besson films? Because they are, you know, they're I'm massive. Not, I haven't seen too many of them. I've seen. This, I mean, we should say this isn't. This film isn't anything to do with Luc Besson. That's no. just a. That's just a comparison you're drawing. Yes, that's right. Um, Luc Besson. I I've seen bits and pieces of the Transporter films. The one I'm most familiar with is Lucy. Right. Which I think is great. Ah, oh, pizza. Excellent. <laughs> Put it on pause. So let's check how much the film made. <clears throat> how much it cost. Okay. Production budget, $30 million. So really cheap. Worldwide gross, $23 million. That's in three days. Well, that's really good. Actually, actually uh, five days. So that's really good. So foreign. it's made back. Foreign hasn't been. Um, I mean, yeah, it, it looks like the figures haven't been updated entirely. It'll make more than thirty million dollars. Mm. <laughs> yeah, it'll make some money. It's got two big stars in it. We should say what it's about. We haven't. We haven't said. Well, what's the? You know. Yeah, that's right. So. Um, so, what is it about, Mike? Oh, what is, <laughs> what is it about? Well, well, indeed, what? Yeah. Um, it's about it's about this bodyguard who has to bodyguard a hitman. Samuel L. Jackson is this hitman, this assassin who's been doing it for donkey's years, and he's killed two hundred and fifty people or something. Um, and he is uh, a witness in this trial at the Hague against Gary Oldman, who plays anonymous Belarusian foreign dictator, um, who's uh, you know done war crimes and that, and genocided his people, as you do with a Russian accent. Um, so he needs to get to The Hague within about a day, uh, and Gary Oldman's people are trying to kill him, 
meanwhile, you've got uh, Interpol was supposed to be protecting him, trying to get him there, but Interpol are—they've got a mole. They've all gone wrong. Uh, they're not around. They're ambushed in Coventry, um, and it falls to Ryan Reynolds, who's a bodyguard, to protect uh, your man Samuel Jackson, who doesn't really need any protection because he's such a brilliant hitman. And also, they've got a history because uh, we don't know that history until the end. No, we know. We, no, we know it reasonably early on. He, he says when, when they meet. Uh, Ryan Reynolds says he's tried to kill me twenty-seven times. Okay, because so he's constantly because he's because historically Ryan Reynolds has been protecting the people that Samuel L. Jackson has been hired to assassinate. Yes. Okay. Fine. Um, I think this is a simpler way of seeing it. So basically, you know, you have two couples. You know, one of them is bad, but it's really good. But they're really good, and it's Sama Hayek and Samuel L. Jackson, and the other one are on the right side of the law. Uh, uh, and it's Ryan Reynolds and this actress whose name I can't remember uh, but who plays Electra in uh, uh, The Defenders Elodie and Young Olivia Young? Elodie Elodie Young Elodie Young Yeah uh, uh, Who plays uh, uh, um, I'm definitely recognised from something else Excuse me She's in The Defenders She's Daredevil Or she plays Electra rather in Daredevil Gods of Egypt. Gods of Egypt, I should know her from that. Yes, I've seen that. <laughs> That'll be the only thing I recognise her from. Okay, well, she made an impression. <laughs> or I just think she's someone else. Um, oh, no, yeah, I do recognise her. Uh, anyway, she, I think she's quite good. Uh, but basically, you have two couples, you know, uh, uh, they're both... Uh, know how to, how to fight and handle weapons. One of them is on the wrong side of the law, uh, but basically, kind of, you know, the film ends up showing us that they're the same. There's, there's got kind of interesting structural oppositions, you know, so uh, Ryan Reynolds has broken up with the love of his life. The love of Samuel Jackson's life is in a prison cell and he can't get near her. So actually, kind of, that's, you know, that's part of, like, you know, the way that the plot balances itself out and kind of moves forward. Um, but, the the couple, th- but the couple that's on the wrong side of the law is essentially emotionally healthy and love each other. And the couple that's on the right side of the law doesn't know how to... They don't, they, oh, do they love each other? Don't they? They're at odds. Well, that's... Yeah, that's right. Uh, so, uh, you know, but the love affair that is working is nonetheless out of reach because, yeah. you know, uh, uh, he's in, he, they're both in jail. <laughs> in separate jails at the beginning of the film. I mean, my big question around this film is, is Gary Oldman a whore? <laughs> like, why did he take this role? You know, he's a working actor and you don't have to try that hard in this role, do you? You don't have to try at all. No. You know, you don't have to do anything. I mean, it's kind of... You have to grow a, a, a snazzy little goatee. He looks just like Dana Carvey. It's such a trash role, you yeah. know. Uh, and it's a nothing villain. I mean... Yeah, it's, it's totally forgettable. It's not the point of the film. No, not at all. I mean, you know, because you can imagine how playing villains like that would be great fun. But you know, the part offers him nothing. The, certainly, the film That's offers true, him actually, nothing. Yeah. You know, so if they got McConaughey from the Dark Tower, he would have been fantastic. Now, that's you know. a film. <laughs> well, you know, I think Gary Oldman. Had he tried to do something with it, could have been fantastic. But you get the feeling that he's an actor who's not even trying anymore, really. I mean, what was the, what's the last role you remember him in? What's the last role that made an impact on you? 
Probably uh, Commissioner Gordon from The Dark Knight. Let me just have a look. Gary Oldman, see what he's done of recent times. He was in Tinker Tailor, wasn't he? That was a bit different. That was a bit. Well, that was a bit. It was a character, wasn't it? Uh, yes, it was a character. Uh, and actually, I remember him being good in it, but actually, I can't remember him. He was in Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, but I don't remember him at all. Yes, there you go. <laughs> Keep going. Been, he would have been the villain uh, that as well, wouldn't he? Probably. Robocop, I didn't see. I saw it. I can't remember him either. <laughs> uh, the Dark Knight. That's Commissioner Gordon. Lawless. Don't remember him in that. Um, Tinker Taylor plays Smiley. Plays Sirius in Harry Potter. That's a character. That's a good character. Actually. Yes. He plays that well. Yes. So he's doing mem- memorable bit parts. You know, and yeah. phoning it in elsewhere. Uh, Carnegie and The Book of Eli, which was which is a film I really liked, and no one else did. But he's no good in that either. He's just he's just your rent a rent a kit villain. It's I think it's kind of you know yeah. really interesting to see because he can be so good. It's not like he's rubbish. Yeah, I mean, he, he's a little bit he's a little bit sort of I don't want to say technical, but kind of I think he's one of those actors who sometimes thinks that. Like if you lose a lot of weight for a performance, that's the same as actually acting. No, I'm not. I don't think so. I don't see him that way. I think he's a really great actor. Uh, um, my God, I remember him from Sid and Nancy. Mm. You know, so he's certainly kind of you know capable of like great, great work. But I think at some point he just kind of went Hollywood and basically it, it is like a paycheck. But you know, it's a paycheck for someone who doesn't need paychecks, really. You know, well, so. You don't know his life. Well, he might have gambling debts. He might very well have gambling debts. <laughs> okay, imagine, you know, kind of... <laughs> imagine if that's the case. <laughs> uh, well, let's face it, he takes roles like an actor who has gambling debts to pay off. That's a good way of putting it, you know. <laughs> uh, uh, or, you know, like a whore who wants to make uh, uh, lots of money quick without <laughs> having to work for it. Well... <laughs> <laughs> it's a little bit of a hole. Uh, we Can't must be. erase that, by the way. What? What I just said. Why? You think Gary Oldman's going to sue you? No, I don't think that he's going to sue me, but actually I have more... He seems like the kind of guy who would sue. I have, I, have, I have more respect for, you know, people who prostitute themselves, you know, for money, for sex for money, than I do, you know, for a film star... Who 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 lives in Hollywood and and has a Hollywood lifestyle uh, and who does this kind of dreck? How do you know what his lifestyle is? Because I read the magazines. Mm, see, I... <laughs> <laughs> I'm interested in <laughs> anyway, well, let's let's move on from Gary Oldman. Yes. <clears throat> um, anyway, I think what we found out that's interesting is that it is a really low budget film, certainly by contemporary standards. It's a thirty million dollar film. Right, yeah. um, you, get, you, get, uh, you can make th- seven of these films for one Neymar. There you go. <laughs> or you know you can make uh, 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 what thirty? No. <laughs> How much did Wonder Woman cost? Oh, I, don't know. I think it was being bandied around two hundred and fifty, three hundred million, right? But it was better. Oh yeah, one hundred forty-nine million. Oh, that's that's cheap. <laughs> How much did Dunkirk cost? Oh, Jesus. What, in lives? Or? <laughs> <laughs> um, Dunkirk cost 100 million. 
No way. Hundred million dollars. Really? That's very. Do you know the thing about if you see the thing, uh, Christian Lundin's fee on Dunkirk is twenty million dollars plus twenty percent of the box office gross. Gross. My God. And it's made so far four hundred million dollars. So even not counting the twenty million he just got paid, he's earned. What's twenty percent of four hundred? Uh, 80, for 80 million, million. 80 so million he's made a hundred million he's made a hundred million dollars yeah. he's a war profiteer <laughs> <laughs> well um, he should be in the Hague frankly it's interesting I wonder what uh, what Ryan Reynolds and uh, Samuel L. Jackson were paid because I bet well I'm not googling anymore for now no but I bet you their salaries uh, um, were most of it were most of the, that budget and the film looked yeah. good it didn't look like a, it, it didn't, didn't look, look, look like cheap. a cheap film no it didn't look expensive it didn't look expensive it didn't look cheap um, but uh, anyway I enjoyed it it's kind of it's again you know this is kind of where the dilemma is um, you know I can imagine if people have to pay uh, whatever it is you have to pay to go to the cinema now is it what nine pounds or ten or something um, yeah whatever I mean well when you have the unlimited card, obviously the more films you see, the lower the nominal cost. Yeah. So that's encouraging. Yeah, so, to... so, so you know, we never think about how much it costs to go. No, no, um, really. It is a film I think that would work just as well on television, though. Yeah, for the most part. Or it's a kind of film where when it shows up on TV, like ninety percent of it will translate, and you'll watch it very happily. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Yes, I do. Because actually, there were some of the close-ups with. Um, uh, Ryan Reynolds that I thought were significant that you, you were seeing it on a big screen kind of you know there were moments where um, uh, uh, he was talking and you know the, his face was just so huge that <laughs> that kind of had um, an impact on how you were seeing actually but that also is something that will translate well to television I'm not sure well the, well, I mean I, this is a question of size it's not just a close up Okay. You know, um, so, but 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 anyway, right. I think the the point that we can agree on is that the the film will look really good on TV. You know, you won't lose much, uh, uh, and it's it's the kind of thing that relies on dialogue and just plot. You know, that translates absolutely well onto yeah. onto. And film. it's when it's doing the dialogue stuff that it's at its strongest. Yeah, that's for sure. So and it's the interplay you... of those two actors and those two characters and. And the way one is, you know, it's 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 fairly simple. One is exasperated at the other, yeah. and the other is not taking anything that seriously and laughing at him all the time. There's a lot of that, yeah, and it works it quite well. It works very well. So the question then is, would you recommend it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but see, it's, I thought it was great fun. It is fun. I mean, I think it's it was like cheap fun, but it was fun. Uh, and if you like the actors, I think you'd you'd have a really good time. I got into it eventually. No. Although there were no parts of Coventry that I recognised. I mean, not that I ever really went into the centre of Coventry um, when I was living there, but they could have at least shown the Ring Road. How the Ring know? Road's iconic. It's true. Anyway. And actually, I mean, it's annoying that they go to Coventry at all, because the whole point, the, the, the premise is, he's in Manchester, and they're transporting him to uh, Amsterdam. Yes. Uh, so why are they going through Coventry? Just go on the motorway. That's annoying. That wound me up. <laughs> <laughs> Only a petrol head would know that, really. I wouldn't know that. Well, it's, it's obvious. Why did you go, why'd you go through Bintley Coventry? Because they're hiding. 
They want to go someplace someplace where no one will look for them. It's because because the mole sent them there. The mole said, go through Coventry, and Uh then, because he set up the ambush, hasn't he? Uh, But actually, there's no good reason. Well, you could um, fly from Manchester, probably. It's a silly. It's actually, I don't like the film. Terrible premise. (laughs) (laughs) I think we better leave it on that note, actually. Kind of. Yeah. I'm still right about that scene in the bar.